How about this fucking team right here? Dustin Brown, short-handed for LA. Score! Here is Goligoski. He gets leveled at the blue line by Dowdy. Food for it, cheer for uh, kind of like it. Richard throws it in front. Carter scores! Well done, boy. There's some swagger. Push come to shove. We're going to get it done. This is for you, Kings fans, wherever you may be. Hey everybody, welcome to the Thanks Bud Podcast. I am Chanel Berlin. And I'm Diane Fan. We're back for episode eight. Lots of stuff has happened this week, even though there were only three games, and you would think it wouldn't be that much news considering it was like three games against teams that are not super great right now. Uh, but instead, lots of news from the Kings. Lots of crazy stuff happened. Their record, just to start, update everybody on where they are. They are 13-6-1 now. Um, the LA Kings PR Twitter sent out a tweet that said, the Kings 13-6-1 overall record after 20 games is tied for the fifth best record in the club history. Best 20 game start since 2005-2006, which I thought was hilarious, if only because I feel like I've spent so much of this 20 game run so far complaining. <laughs> but uh, apparently it's still making history. Either that or the Kings were historically terrible, which is that- also true yeah that as well that as well but yeah i mean obviously we are constantly complaining we complain publicly on the internet about it um (laughs) but they're actually they're fine they're doing okay yeah and i mean it was good to get sort of the reminder that like clearly if this is the best 20 game start since 0506 like even the stanley cup winning team you know as great as the stanley cup run was that year was a struggle i mean they did make it into the playoffs as an eight seed so uh let's not forget we have seen far worst times. I don't want to remember that. Um, But I mean, we could try to look at it positively. I don't know. Anyway, apparently, you know, they're doing okay, I guess, so far overall. It has been kind of, we were both actually saying right before we started recording this, we both were really worried because there's been a more shakeup among the team so far. Um, But they lost against Buffalo Sabres, which was disappointing, uh, especially because they took every shot in the world at the net. But they won against uh, the New York Islanders and uh, the Devils last night. So things could be worse. They are currently five of six in points on this road trip so far, and they play the Rangers tomorrow. Points leader, Andre Kobitar, back in front, no longer tied with Mike Richards. He scored a goal last night, so he's got five goals on the season, 14 assists. He is not the leader in goals, though, because obviously with five goals, he would be you know, tied with like Jeff Carter, who's on IR. But uh, goals leader is uh, Justin Williams with seven. And then coming in second, surprisingly, Dwight King with a career high, let those words sink in, career high of six goals on the season so far. I am so excited about this news just because it's only 20 games and he already has a career high and he was a great player. He was a great fourth liner during the Stanley Cup run and seeing like what he did then and he's obviously on pace to blow that out of the water this year is very, very cool, um, as this is his first full NHL season. So yeah. that's really exciting. Right, yeah, which I had forgotten about the fact that it was his first full NHL season, but it's true. That's, you know, this is our first um, time really seeing what Dwight King can do, and he's a little more seasoned now because he's been around for two uh, partial seasons, um, let's say. And... I I saw on Twitter, and I couldn't find it again, um, so uh, apologies to whoever tweeted this, uh, but that he is currently on pace for something like 22 goals this season. Um, And then Robert from Jewels from the Crown said 
you know, brought everything back to reality and said that um, right now his shooting percentage is actually way above average at 22%. So assuming that that will come down again, it's more likely that he'll score somewhere around 11 goals. So I'm, I'm either way, like even somewhere between 11 and 22, I'm pretty excited for Dwight King to continue to produce for this team. I'm excited. I want him to score more just because I want more um, video of his face after he scores a goal. Oh, absolutely. Because it's usually delightful and it's a great uh, collection of reaction gifts. <laughs> yeah, right. So if I could just build like one of those mood charts out of uh, Dwight King reaction faces, that would that is essentially what I'm aiming for personally. Except so. you would have to um, preface every mood with crazy. So like crazy happy, big eyed Dwight King, crazy sad, like crazy hungry, because it would just look nuts. Yeah, that's- no matter what. That's that's really fair. <laughs> so uh, that, but uh, come on, great mood theme picture situation. It would be. Other stats that I found interesting: Brown and Kopitar are both plus sevens right now, and I, I found it a little more interesting for Dustin Brown because he's moved around uh, back and forth from the third line to the first line, and the fact that he hasn't scored as much as people would like him to have scored at this point. But apparently, when he is on the on the ice. Um, if you take any stock in plus minus, some people don't. But when he's on the ice, apparently he's really good at making sure good things happen, or at least good things happen around him. So I thought that was pretty interesting. On the flip side, in slightly more embarrassing news, Matt Fratton, a minus seven. That is really disappointing. Everyone was kind of hoping that he would be a piece that would kind of click together with a line. I mean, he's a good... And obviously, Dean Lombardi saw a lot in him with, you know, scouting him out for... A couple of years and him playing with uh, Ron Hextall's son and all that jazz. So to see him not really producing anything and being a minus seven is not great. Yeah, right now he is definitely looking like the extra piece in the trade um, for Fratton and Scrivens. And initially, like you said, Dean Lombardi was really excited about Matt Fratton. And so everybody was expecting him to be of those two people, the one to really show up and show out. And so far, he has had trouble, even though he was also he was good in the preseason. But I don't know, since the regular season started, dude is struggling. And I hope he figures it out. Um, Surprisingly, though, Daryl Sutter has not yet called him out on it as much as he has called out, like, say, Jake Muzzin every time he does anything. I love all of like the questions towards Daryl Sutter about Jake Muzzin because if he's done something terrible it's usually just like barely contained sarcasm yeah like intense sarcasm for anything that Jake Muzzin has done Um, Jake Muzzin, though, interestingly enough, I noticed uh, at the end of last night's game, has set up, even though he's had moments where it's like, really, Jake Muzzin, including like taking a couple first period penalties, that it's like, come on, just don't kill, don't kill the momentum immediately, guy. But then would come back at like the end of the game and has set up both game winning goals for the last two games. So I don't know. Jake Muzzin giveth, Jake Muzzin taketh away. Which brings us to someone else, though, who has yet to produce anything. Well, that's not actually true. I actually noticed something about him, too. But Trevor Lewis still doesn't have a point on the season. It's becoming increasingly depressing with every game. See, this frustrates me so much because he should be on, like, he should be on the board with points because he does so much for the team. He draws a ton of penalties. You know, he's super speedy. He's, like, I don't know. He just cannot get a puck in the back of the net or help anyone get the puck in the back of the net, like, assist-wise. He like, helped. he'll be the person, you know, who's checks someone to the ground, and so 
two other people pass to the eventual goal scorer, and Trevor Lewis is sad. There were definitely a couple moments in the Devils game where, you know, it was like, oh, the Kings have a scoring chance, maybe, maybe, maybe. Oh, the person on the doorstep is Trevor Lewis. Expect literally nothing. (laughs) The most he has done actually to help the Kings score in the last two games, I noticed, is that both of their last power play goals were scored on penalties drawn by Trevor Lewis. So he is so close, and yet, so far. It's got to happen. It's got to happen. Hopefully by the end of the month, <laughs> by the end of this year, I don't know. He cannot He cannot be shut out of the points game for this long. This is crazy. Diane was the one who tweeted out that uh, awesome little reminder stat that Tanner Pearson had already scored his um, first NHL goal in nine minutes and 33 seconds of playing time, and Trevor Lewis yet to score. The last time Trevor Lewis scored was in the playoffs, and it was that awesome second of two like really close together goals where Toffoli passed to him, and or like I forget, now I can't remember. Toffoli either shot it or passed, and uh, I, I think he passed, and there was like a wide open net, and Trevor right, Lewis yeah, uh, knocked it on the to the right of uh, Martin Brodeur. Right, yeah. So uh, not Martin Brodeur. It was the Shark series. But, oh, um, sorry. <laughs> just, I was just thinking about the Devils because <laughs> I'm staring at the uh, the game recap. Oh, oh right. yeah. Forget everything that I'm saying. Um, <laughs> but you were right. He did put in an open net, but it was on uh, on Yemi. So that's the yeah. last time he scored, and apparently he used up all of his like perfect timing on that moment so eventually it'll come back i hope i don't know i'm pulling for trevor lewis but in the meantime i would like to award him two honorary assists for drawing the penalties that led to other people getting points good job trevor lewis thanks and let's not let's not forget that he's still an excellent backup goaltender yeah that's true he's got more saves so far this season than uh, martin jones that's so that's, true. that's something Although baffling is that as we talk about how he can't score a goal for the life of him, has had multiple breakaways and hasn't scored on any of those either, was still put second in line in front of Andre Kopitar in the shootout versus Buffalo. That was crazy to me. I didn't understand it at all. And Why? Why? And not and not just to harp on Trevor Lewis, because I also didn't understand putting Mike Richards first. It was immediately like, let's put, even though Mike Richards, you know, as we found out uh, on his last shorthanded goal that he is tied with um, St. Louis for most shorthanded goals. So the dude can score on breakaway situations, but he has struggled, Mike Richards has struggled for most of his breakaway situations so far this season. So it was like, let's put the second worst breakaway guy on the team right now um, first and Let's follow that up with Trevor Lewis, who can't score on breakaways, can't score in any situation, and obviously the shootout will be perfectly fine, you know, coupled with the fact that Ben Scribbins literally just got in the game. That was so baffling to me. And Andre Kopitar is sitting there waiting, being like, um, hey guys. I think, I don't know, I just think you should at least put Kopitar first. Hopefully he scores, and then he get, you know, you get a little confidence to the dudes that come after him. And then maybe Trevor Lewis does, you know, show that he can be an American hero after all. Uh... But putting him second, but it would still mean sense. nothing on the stats sheet if he got the short <laughs> yeah. goal. Still, no credit for Trevor Lewis ever. Which is also that reminds me of what I was saying, like with uh, Tanner Pearson. I was like, is Tanner Pearson ever? Is he always just going to be the dude left out? But I mean, not that it's good news for Kyle Clifford because now he's on IR. But Tanner Pearson finally gets the call up from the AHL. Like we mentioned, scores his first NHL goal. He's 
made it <laughs> again so far. He's he's doing pretty well. This is a marked difference from him standing around on the sideboards. Uh, oh yeah, during the playoffs. So good job. <laughs> right when he was just too stunned to do anything but watch like the rest of us yeah uh, he, yeah he's 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 improved since then i mean there were, have been some situations where he'll like turn the puck over and i'm like dude calm down just just play but you know for the most part he's also taking shots at the net generating chances for the king so i'm excited to have him uh back with the kings um now for a little bit longer than you know that one playoff game in general and and i got i said to diane before the islanders game i was like all i want is for magically somehow the uh pearson vey to foley line to end up together and then both pearson and to foley to score during the game um and then it happened <laughs> so that was great for me i was super excited about it i'm just really delighted that we get to see like our home go- homegrown prospects actually play because the manchester monarchs are all the way on the east coast which still is dumb um it's it's really cool to see how they're progressing and see like what's happening over there um in our little prospect pool. Yeah. And it's good to see them, so far anyway, the three of those players come up and, you know, they, they don't seem like they're, like, stifled or, you know, out of the out of their league suddenly being with the NHL club. They're still performing. Tyler's a Foley, seven points in six games. That's crazy. Three goals, four assists. Lyndon Vey, he hasn't scored a goal yet, but dude has three assists in five games. Um, Tanner Pearson, like we said, he scored his first goal. He didn't get a point last night, but that's fine. They're they're awesome. That's great so far. I'm really excited about the Kings having a rookie line. Me too. And it's funny in uh, like market difference uh, to like Edmonton when they had a ton of injuries and they called up a bunch of their rookies and then I forget who it was, but who called out um, the Edmonton Oilers by calling them just like a junior team because they had a bunch of their uh, prospects and rookies on on the team in in lieu of uh, all their injured players. Yeah. I mean, ours is fine. Oh, we're looking good. Like, go ahead and call us a junior team because we're still kicking everyone's ass. So, yeah. I mean, yeah, that's so far, really fun. Yeah, so far in just these few games, the um, Kings rookie line looks better than what was known as Edmonton's, uh, you know, kid line. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, I feel pretty good about it. Poor, so, quick side note, poor Edmonton, by the way. <laughs> yeah. I mean, so I guess enough. I guess I'll talk about it later during Five Minute Majors, but just poor, poor Edmonton. Yeah, they're having some, some trouble. Although, like, as I was telling another friend of mine, I can't feel too bad for them because they are a divisional rival, so they can continue to suck for purposes of the Kings not having any more competition than they already do. God, Calgary and Edmonton are so down low on the pole there that I'm just like, I think we're okay. <laughs> I don't want to get cocky. I don't want to put that much faith in the Kings just yet. I mean, I got so excited about them winning that Islanders game, and then I remember that they were playing the Islanders, and that is kind of sad. How shocked. I'm not I'm not putting faith in the Kings. I'm just putting no faith in <laughs> to Edmonton or the Oilers and the, Cal- and the Flames. <laughs> That's fair. That's a fair way to look at it. <laughs> I, I mean, I guess since we're talking about it, we should just go ahead and talk about the rest of the injuries that the Kings do have right now, um, because there are a few, and they're pretty It's a sick. list. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, there were five, so the good news is they're down to four, but still pretty pretty big names, with obviously the uh, most recent one being starting goaltender Jonathan Quick, who went down at the end of the Buffalo game in overtime. Um, the crazy thing about it was that it wasn't... You know, people watch Quickie play all the time, and 
He does those crazy athletic saves, splits for days, which I enjoy mightily. But, you know, the the little save that he made didn't look intense. And then suddenly he was down on all fours, you know, just the right combination of movement right there. I remember the uh, announcers, or at least Bob and Jim were saying, oh, I think the Sabres fans here think that he's just trying to draw out some more time. You know, oh. to let the Kings kind of rest a little bit. Right. Um, so, like, there was there were a few boos because it was taking a long time with the trainer, and then eventually he just up and off the ice. Um, so I remember that. So, like, it really didn't look like it was a, a big deal. Like, maybe just a sprain and him telling the trainer, oh, it's cool. I just, like, eh, I pulled something. But it's a lot more serious than, than that in that he has a grade two groin strain, and that's a two out of three, and approximate time frame four to six weeks possibly so picture me weeping on the floor (laughs) you don't you don't have to imagine it if you go to our twitter feed there is a literal picture of her weeping on the floor (laughs) wrapped in a sadness blanket because that's how i felt about it um both for the kings although not as much for the kings right now because as i wrote in the recap post like his save percentage is 905 it's replaceable right now and ben scriven so far has done well in the couple games he started since then. But in that, I have always really high hopes for Jonathan Quick, and I really, really, really wanted him to get things together and still manage to be the starter for Sochi, and, like, everything that continues to happen just is ruining it. (laughs) And (laughs) I was very sad about it. So, uh, yeah, saddest blanket picture on the internet if you um, want to see what suffering looks like for me. Especially... In a game against Ryan Miller. Yeah, that was the worst part, hands down, was that it was against his American goaltending rival, Ryan <gasps> Miller. Yeah, and all the tweets that were like, yeah, Ryan Miller is just killing the competition on the way to Sochi. Like, just murder me. That's, ugh. We still got time. <sighs> it's a rough life if you're me, doing absolutely <laughs> nothing but spectating. Uh, other news is that uh, Jeff Carter... Your fave. Love Jeff Carter is continuing to be broken. Yeah, so went back to the doctor. They, um, so he went to get a checkup to see how his foot's faring, and the answer is three to six more weeks mm. out um, on IR with his fractured foot. And he's already been on IR for two weeks. Um, not that the Kings have been suffering terribly, but I mean, of course, they could always use him, but I would rather him heal up more robustly than to go out sooner than later. And then just, like, re-injure himself. Agreed. Especially because of the fact that, you know, so far we have had a little more uh, depth scoring than I think we expected from, let's be honest, I'm always thinking of uh, Jordan Nolan, Dwight King, <laughs> from them, and even a couple other players. So, and, like, again, so far that rookie line is, while they are up here, they seem to be performing really well. So if that continues, I'm not super worried on about the Kings' ability to win games. I think they won't necessarily be pretty, but they haven't been pretty so far anyway. Um, and I would much rather, you know, top goal scorer Jeff Carter to come back healthy and then just blow everything away for us. Put uh, es- Kings on the Especially over. since he's had lingering issues with his foot. Yeah. And at this point, it's not 100% imperative that he come back. Um, so, and the Kings always like to, Kings love a comeback, as we saw on, uh, against the Islanders, so even if they kind of fall a little or are not at a standing that they would like, if Jeff Carter comes back healthy, he can once again be, like, the missing piece that he was in 
2012 and kind of get the Kings back into the playoffs. That's what if I'm they hoping for. Because they, especially if he comes, I mean, you know, assuming he's even out until the end of the year or whatever, if he comes back in January when their schedule gets particularly tough uh, and helps make a big impact, great. Get better, Jeff Carter. But, you know, actual better. Don't rush. Someone else on IR, Kyle Clifford. At first, they just said there he had taken a hit to the head. Nobody's officially said the word concussion, but dude has a concussion. Come on. He has to. He has to. Of course. It's so weird that people are so reluctant to say concussion just because of all the protocols and, and things like that, and I, it's such a big deal. But, like, let's call a spade a spade. He has a fucking concussion. It feels like he has had a hundred concussions in, like, the last six months. <laughs> I mean, I know that's not true, but he, he's been out for... Uh concussion-like systems symptoms before earlier this year so that's rough for him um and it's rough for the fact that the kings lose a left wing and they are always desperate for them uh but hopefully tanner pearson continues to fill that role and score some more goals and kyle clifford can get better and come back and then another person because this is a long list that is now on long-term ir yeah is matt green um, they said upper body injury. It's most likely his back, which he had trouble with um, all of last season. So who knows? Uh, we've literally have seen nothing of him. Yeah. And I, at, at some people were still saying that the injury was undisclosed and like possibly not related to his back injury. So I don't know. I think Matt Green has died and nobody just wants they don't want to say it yet. I haven't seen him. Have you seen him? Has anybody seen Matt Green? I haven't seen him anywhere. He just disappeared one day. Yeah, it was really sudden how that happened. And I maybe I wasn't paying enough attention, but there wasn't a ton of fanfare in terms of like, oh, he's on IR or like, oh, he's gone. Yeah. It just like all of a sudden he just wasn't there. Yeah, there was no like, oh, he took that like crazy hit. And so now he's out. It was just like, dude is not playing. He's gone. So, okay, maybe he's not dead. Maybe he's accidentally slipped into another dimension. They are looking for Matt Green. I'm basically just going to come up with a bunch of conspiracy theories. um, (laughs) Because nobody uh, wants to give a concrete answer about exactly what has happened to him and why he is on long term IR. It was a little surprising because I think people were speculating because we did already know about Jeff Carter's foot injury that he would be the person to go on uh, LTIR. Not the case. Missing Matt Green instead. So that is confusing and um i hope he gets better or returns from whatever world that he is visiting currently safe travels, stay tuned stay tuned as we investigate the science fiction worlds that revolves around matt green and his disappearance now now i really just want to come up with like all the different alternate realities that matt green is possibly existing in at this moment trying to get back to this reality so. Oh, we're definitely going to once this podcast is over because no one needs to hear that insanity we're gonna talk about it <laughs> I think at this point on the podcast, people are slightly used to us going off on these kind of tangents. So I don't know. Maybe it'll end up on the internet anyway. We'll see. We'll see. Because in my head, I'm thinking of Troy and Abed and their dreamatorium. Yeah. And like that sort of um, alternate universe. So maybe he's just trapped in a grid taped room. (laughs) Uh, Matt Green took a look inside Daniel Castillo's dreamatorium because, you know, he has one in Jeff Carter's house. And uh, now he's trapped. So that's the situation there. I've nailed it. That's what's going on. (laughs) Oh, but you mentioned actually, Diane, you didn't actually watch the New Jersey game, did you? No. Okay. So let me tell you about it. Let me tell you about the New Jersey game. Um, Because, oh, that's what you mentioned. You mentioned that the Kings 
had to, you know, there was that comeback for, uh, against the New York Islanders, which was stressful, especially after seeing that Buffalo Sabres game where they managed to lose spectacularly, even though they performed pretty well. To then see them struggle against the Islanders was severely disappointing. Uh, they had, like, actually a decent first period, right? Crap second period and an amazing third period. And then back-to-backs always worry me because this team is very hot-cold on them. And they looked super, super, super tired in the first period of the New Jersey game. Nobody could gain the zone. They literally spent, New Jersey spent the first at least minute and a half of the game in the King zone, like right off the faceoff. It was disastrous. I was very frustrated. The people that I was watching the game with um, were laughing at me. Yeah, I, I, I saw like the first maybe 10 minutes of uh, the Devils game. And the only thing I really took away from it was Bob and Jim saying that everyone looks like they played a game last night except right, for Ben yeah. Scrivens, who looks yeah. amazing. The only line who could manage to gain the zone in any way and, and you know maintain some offensive pressure, and it still took them a while to really get shots off at first, was the top line, the uh, Brown-Kopitar-Williams line. Only line. And... It was kind of amazing to see frustrating because I wanted the rest of the team to be doing as well um, or well at all. But amazing because I love every reminder that that top line just fucking kills everybody in the league with possession. It's amazing. Their numbers are great. They crushed it last season and they are doing it again so far. Those three players, Justin Williams, Andre Kopitar, Dustin Brown, top three uh, puck possession in the league right now. Their Corsi 4 percentages are great. Williams is a 64.8% for number one spot, followed by Kobitar, 63%, and Brown, 62.9%, who might actually, you know, even go up a little bit because, again, he's someone who's been juggled a bit. So if he's just with his, you know, two standard guys from here on out or for at least the next little while, those numbers could still be raised even more. And then, just for some bonus content... Mike Richards is also in the top 10, a guy who, even more than Dustin Brown, has seen plenty of changes in line made so far this season at a 60%, um, is currently number eight uh, in the league. That's amazing. Four of the top 10 possession guys in the NHL right now are on the Kings. That's insane. I love it. I think it's, I think it's so great that the top line just dominates the, yeah. the top three. Yeah. Like, tell me that that's not an amazing line when people gripe about you know, anything that the top line does. Like, tell me that that's, that, right. that's yeah. not Right, yeah, and it fantastic. took them a little bit of time this season to turn that possession into scoring, but now it seems like they're starting to pick up steam. Kopitar, again, five goals. Justin Williams, seven goals. Uh, Brown, I think, only has three so far. Um, he's still struggling a little bit, but if they get him going, too, that top line could be just amazing all the time. And I... For one, hope that is what happens. The Kings are first in puck possession overall in all situations um, for the league for the second year in a row so far. They were first last year and they were second the year before that, or the season before that, I should say. In five versus five close situations, when score is close, they are fourth. Um, which you, I feel like you can tell, like the eyeball test, like they still get in situations where they let a team score and then continue to dominate against them a little bit, but they can, they're, you know, working on it. And I think that'll, unless they just severely fall off or have too many games like they did at first last night, um, it'll be fine. Uh, and I think, interestingly, because they are doing so well, it has inspired, you know, broadcaster Jim Fox to talk about Corsi on television the other night. 
which was fun. That's that's still fantastic, is that he's yelling about Corsi all the time. And more like, also, everyone on Twitter being like, oh my gosh, Jim Fox is talking about that's a Corsi. Good I, like, uh, I like stats, um, so I think it's cool that they get a little bit more uh, exposure. Also, I like listening to Jim Fox talk about things because he's really good at it, but also because I quite enjoy thinking... In my mind, Jim Fox is always either just had a drink or like a drink is right off camera. So I feel like he just really enjoys himself. Can you just, you know, drink a glass of wine with Jim Fox, learn about Corsi, shot attempts. How grand. That's that's my favorite kind of thing that you've mentioned is that if to read every Jim Fox tweet, like he's just had a couple of glasses of wine. Bob Miller just get got an iPhone. Let's text <laughs> him. Was, like, yeah, that would whatever it may be. was super great because it was like, why are you telling us about this, Jim Fox? Oh, okay. You you just had some wine. Oh, it makes sense now. He's also started to take a lot more pictures to post on um, on his Twitter, and it's really kind of delightful. I don't know. Like he's suddenly wanting to be like a super social media guy, and I'm I, the first time. I get a selfie from Jim Fox. I'm oh, yeah. so pleased. Uh, so I, I quite enjoy Jim Fox teaching me about things on television. Um, I look forward to his next lessons. Um, <laughs> I'm sure they will all be super, super great. Oh, uh, but, oh, but to get back to the Kings and Possession, I actually just read this this morning. I think it was posted yesterday before the New Jersey game, so it's not factored in here. It might have been, I don't know, it might have been a posted before the Islanders game too, whatever. NHL.com did power rankings of defensemen, and they were talking about how like a lot of defensemen are more like Niedermeyer these days, he's like a role model for them. Among that was mentioned when they started talking about the Kings was that, at the time, uh, the Kings have gone nearly a month without being outshot in a game. Nashville had more shots on goal than the Kings on October 17th. Los Angeles has had more shot attempts in 16 of its 18 games, and that game against the Predators was the only one where the Kings had less than 49% of the attempts at even strength. So just to back up those Corsi numbers, like, you just could see it up and down. Like, it, I think that's part of what made the Sabres game so frustrating was because they, they're they shooting and they're trying really hard and, you know, taking it to the other team's zone. So keep it up and hopefully they don't have too many games where they just face randomly like really on goaltenders so everyone who's also in the like 300 levels yelling shoot they, they are they heard don't you. worry about it they got it <laughs> um but uh we'll all continue to keep yelling i'm sure that's the best part about a hockey <laughs> yeah. game just hollering that's my approach i'm just gonna holler just really nice things Good job, guys. We should try that that approach. Because I feel like, I mean, at least for me, I'm constantly like, what are you doing? What are you doing? Do this differently, though. So maybe if I just try hollering out really positive things constantly, we'll see how that works. That was a great check. You've got a cute butt. Like, I don't know. Something like that. That, yes, that sounds exactly. like fun. Especially the cute butt part. Even though they're, like, all in pads. I'm going to say it yeah. anyway. During warm-ups, just hollering about their, yeah. like, stretching techniques. Well, that yeah, that's absolutely me about Jonathan Quick, obviously. Just yell at Jarrett Stoll. <laughs> you look like you do yoga. Like, good job, bud. Tell Jeff Carter he's beautiful still, even without teeth. That's important. That is important. That I still appreciate him, even though he's decided to just continue his hillbilly <laughs> he's life. He's completely abandoned those front teeth. I know he has a bridge, but he is, like... <laughs> Never. It's, in my mind, it's like, you know, when people accidentally walk out of the house without their glasses, like, constantly Jeff Carter leaves the house and he's like, oh, I forgot my teeth again. <laughs> 
But it's so jarring because, like, there was that picture that uh, his girlfriend posted with um, him and Brian Cranston, and, like, he's in a very nice suit. He's a well-dressed fellow. Like, he can wear a suit very well. And so he'll be, like, walking, or, or when they do the shots of, like, all of the players yeah. walking into the arena... And, you know, he's in his suit, he's walking, he's looking good, and then all of a sudden he smiles, and it's like, oh, that ruined it. It's just toothless runs. I mean, it's actually still yeah. great, but it's just really hilarious, the juxtaposition between him, like, walking all model-like in his suit, and then, bam, It's no so teeth. funny to me. I mean, I feel the same way kind of about uh, Dustin Brown, even though to me Dustin Brown looks like a teenager half the time, like a really goofy teenager, but... Like him, like you'll see, it, I always point this out to people because I find it amusing, even though it's very like inconsequential. But um, he, because he doesn't have the teeth on like the whole like left side of his mouth, the top row, when he, you know, when people like bite their lip or whatever, you can see like the weird like indentation, like one part of his lip kind of goes <laughs> in further than the other part. <laughs> um, and I find that hilarious for some reason, just because it's a constant reminder that there's just nothing there to stop his lip from moving freely. <laughs> so um, I, I, I hope, I don't know, maybe Jeff, Jeff Carter's teeth gap is not positioned in a way where you will be able to notice that, but it will be awful slash hilarious the day that you do notice it. So everybody keep an eye out now. Um, Sorry about your nightmares. I'm actually quite charmed by the fact that he has no teeth. I don't know. And then I feel, like, completely deranged about it, so I will no longer say words about this. <laughs> uh, but back to, I guess, things that matter about the Kings actually playing games. The Pacific oh, yeah, that. <laughs> continues to be a really rough place, really rough place uh, to be. I hope, I hope everyone does the same thing that um, I do, which is every time... You know, when there's, like, been 12 games, you know, around the league in a night, just, like, once all of the scores are in, checking out the standings, and just being yeah furious over everything that's happening. So the Kings currently have 27 points, and they are 8th in the Western Conference. And if they had been playing in the East, they would be one that point away from first. That breaks my heart. The, the top, in the league overall, the top 10 teams, um, 8 of them are from the West. Uh, four in the Central, four in the Pacific, two from the Atlantic. So, you know, good job to the Tampa Bay Lightning and the Pittsburgh Penguins. Oh, no, no. Good job to the Tampa Bay Lightning and the Boston Bruins for, I don't know, being the, the heroes of the East. And none for you, Metropolitan Division. And, I mean, Pittsburgh is kind of dwindling a little bit lower. I think they're 11th. But, uh, yeah, still the Metro is terrible. Um, if the playoffs were today... Would LA be in them? They would. They would. Just barely. <laughs> Just barely. <laughs> Just barely. They would be the second wildcard team uh, for the West. They are currently two points ahead of Vancouver and two points behind Phoenix divisionally. They are tied in points with St. Louis and I think have one more win, but like St. Louis has played less games or something annoying like that. And I think St. Louis has like one more ROW point, but... Yeah, so they're they're in there. The thing about the Kings is what they need or what put them at a disadvantage was that both the Ducks and San Jose had win streaks at the beginning of the season. The Kings kind of need one. And I think to really get, you know, compete for that top three. Otherwise, we continue to spend nights hoping that those other teams just lose more. So if the Kings can just put together some wins, it's going to be tough, though, because their schedule 
you know, like they got a couple divisional games coming up when they get back to Los Angeles or back to the West Coast, I should say. And even their next few games, like they faced New York, who they lost against. They and who's now are not even sucking quite as much as they were. Um, they face Colorado, who's still playing really well, you know. So I they I hope really hard for them, basically, is what it comes down to. <laughs> Um, yes, I agree. They really need, I mean, they've got two wins right now, so hopefully we can build on that, and yeah, I mean, maybe now that the Rangers aren't terrible, they'll actually beat them, because the Kings love losing to shitty teams, so maybe it's like one of those reverse things, now that they're okay, they'll they'll finally beat the Rangers. <laughs> they'll uh, actually try really hard, I hope, so... Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, I really want them to put together something of one strike to really get back into that, you know, in, in uh, into the race with that top three. I don't want them to be just outside of it and relying on those two wild card spots forever. I am this playoff format worries me so much. <laughs> um, and looking ahead, I really hope that there is a ton of trolling. And um, on the Thursday game against the Devils, yeah. when the Devils come to the Staples Center, because we all know what happened last time the Devils were at the Staples Center. There, it, they had a few mentions of the fact that the last time, you know, the Kings and the Devils met, it was in the 2012 playoffs. And, you know, a, a few jokes from people that were basically like, oh, this is game seven of the 2012 Stanley Cup final. Uh, well, the good news is the Kings still win the Stanley Cup. Yes. Even if it goes to Game 7. But I, I look forward to hearing that even more once the Devils are back in the building in which they lost. Um, so that's coming up. And the Kings, if they could just please win again, that would be ideal for me. Big hit and down. I'm not sure he's okay. Uh, there's no question that this one's a penalty. A large five-minute major penalty power play for the Kings. All right. Moving on. Five-minute majors. Um... Probably the most shocking news so far uh, this week. Um, Monday, there was one game. It was Tampa Bay versus the Boston Bruins. And Stamkos was injured really, really badly. Did you? I don't know. Were you watching that game, Diane? I wasn't watching that. Or I was watching that game, sort of. But then, uh, not really. But, I mean, immediately everyone was posting gifts, posting videos. Yeah. I heard about it on Twitter first, so because the Game Center uh, app is always so behind, I kind of was able to just like pull it up really quick to see it actually happen, and it was brutal. It was brutal watching because you could see the overhead shot, and you saw his, his leg go right into the goalpost, and you saw it bend in a way that legs should not bend. Ugh. And most upsetting was, it was just his reaction afterwards. The most upsetting was him, of course, being the ho- a hockey player, tried to get up and skate on his leg, immediately fell down in agony and was just pounding on the ice. And when the trainers came out and he had his helmet off and you could just cl- clearly see him saying, it's broken. Ooh, that's bad. That's why I, I was out at the time, so I didn't see any of it. And I saw people mention it on Twitter, but I didn't want to pull up all the pictures and whatnot on my phone. So I still haven't actually seen the injury happen. I haven't seen any of the pictures from that day. But just even reading people's reactions to it, it you could tell it was bad, bad. So he has uh, broken tibia, which is what they 
um, determined after taking him to the hospital and whatnot. He had surgery the next morning um, and is now back in Tampa Bay. They'll, they say he's going to make the, a full recovery, but the timeline in which he makes his recovery is something that remains to be seen. So there was no complications in terms of the break or the surgery. But, I mean, with with everyone that, that's, get, that's getting injured right now, with anyone who's a star player, it's like, well, will they be back in time for Sochi? Right, yeah. And um, there hasn't been a timeline released by Tampa Bay or anyone there, but um, TSN's Bob McKenzie says that it's probably going to be approximately three months. Um, Mike Babcock knows that he can put Stamkos on the initial roster, and then at the final day that he has to submit it, can take him off and replace him with someone else. So it sounds like he's got a spot if he can hurry up his recovery, if, you know, it goes faster than expected, that he may still be able to play in the Olympics. It's really sad because he didn't make the Canada team in 2010, even though it's, you know, it's Steven Stamkos. Yeah. Um, so it would be really disappointing if he missed this one as well, especially since I was reading a an article on Puck Daddy in that uh, some people are thinking that the league might switch to a kind of world, their own kind of world championships oh. type deal. So whether or not players would participate in the Olympics again. I mean, that's obviously way, way in the future, but that's just something that is a potential that might be looming, but... Definitely wishing a speedy recovery to an extremely nice fellow, too. You know, sometimes there's people who are like, oh, whatever, like, because he's a shitty dude or a crap player or whatever. But, I mean, Steven Stamkos, good player, good guy. Hope he has a speedy recovery and makes it to Team Canada, even though I want America to win. Yeah, I, yeah, I hope he gets better, too. That's, like, a, a brutal way to just be taken out and then, you know, like you said, possibly have your Olympic uh, opportunity taken away from you so i hope he comes back as well and um completely unrelated to that some other news uh after the kings lost to the buffalo sabers the very next morning find out buffalo sabers got rid of their coaching staff um well their head coach and also their gm darcy regeer ron ralston was a head coach was out what i thought was interesting is that a few people were saying that uh, Darcy Regeer, who was with them when they started Buffalo's apparent rebuild, now obviously won't be there. And some people were pinning it on the fact that he was refusing to get rid of Ron Ralston as a head coach. So that's, I mean, I don't know how true that is. I don't follow Buffalo Sabres, Buffalo Sabres that closely. But I think it's kind of interesting. That it's like, well, if you've made this, you know, one choice to fire another dude, um, uh, a problem that someone, let's say, uh, Holmgren never has, um, he could still be the GM, but he's not. And now uh, Pat LaFontaine is the new president of hockey operations for the Buffalo Sabres. And they have an interim head coach who is familiar to uh, Kings fans. I mean, I don't know. Should be, I guess. Ted Nolan, father of Jordan Nolan, now gets the nod. Interim, but I feel like, you know, if they perform even slightly better, they'll just give him the job. And apparently Jordan Nolan knew this for three days that his dad had gotten this job. And just kept quiet about it the entire time, which is... Yeah. I would be bursting with news. Yeah. I'd be, like, telling people left, right, and center. <laughs> so, good job, Jordan Nolan. Um, but both LaFontaine and uh, Nolan are ex-Sabers, so a lot of people are talking, like, nostalgia hires. But, yeah, it's looking like Nolan will probably continue to be the coach. Um, it's just... It's interim just because they haven't gotten a new GM yet, so that's kind of um, waiting on that. But he left his job as the coach of the Latvian national team to to come back to Buffalo. Yeah, um, and, you know, first game behind the bench, they got a win. So that's great news for uh, Ted Nolan. 
Buffalo Sabres beat Toronto Maple Leafs 3-1 on Friday. And obviously, they're going to look to put together some more wins. They play Toronto again. They they had a back-to-back situation. So, I don't know. Hopefully, uh, their Sabres are hoping they can keep that up. And we shall see. So... Edmonton, as we were saying earlier, um, poor, poor Edmonton, has lost nine of the last of their last ten games. Um, currently, they are on a streak of losses with five <laughs> losses now um, in what I'm going to call the race to the bottom with the Buffalo Sabres. So currently, we were griping about losing to the worst team in the league, the Buffalo Sabres, but now they are 29th and Edmonton has the honor of being the worst in the league. Um, Even more depressing, um, kind of along with the Sabres as well, as when the Kings played them, that was their first home win um, this entire season. Right, Um, yeah. Edmonton isn't faring so well on home ice either in not including this, their most recent game was against the Sharks yesterday and Neil Yakupov scored a goal so that they wouldn't be shut out, but Prior to that, the last three games, they were shut out on home ice. That's so rough. Like, so, as much as I complain about the Kings or whatever, I'm really glad that those are not the stats that I have to live with for my favorite hockey team. Yeah. Um, so that was a depressing for, I mean, before for the Sabres, that was, I think, what, eight games that they lost at home so that all the, the, the fans that went there were super depressed every time they saw it, but at least they scored some goals. They had something to cheer about, whereas um, in the three games prior to, or the three home games prior to this, this most recent Sharks game, they had to be sad about a loss and no cheering because there were no goals scored for That the is super frustrating. Especially with all the talent they have. It's upsetting. Yeah. All of those uh, top draft picks, not no goals. That's bad. Yeah. I mean, and I just feel bad. And there's also the whole, like, Nail Yakupov situation with his agent kind of storming um, to the States to kind of be like, okay, if you guys don't want him, if you guys don't want to play him, let's trade him. Let's, it's fine. It happens. Let's do this. So we'll see what happens with the Oilers because obviously something has to change because they have, they have good, well, they have good forwards. They need um, better D and, maybe a goaltender that isn't Devin Dubnik right now. The the interesting thing about the Yakupov drums is that uh, I'm like Eakins and everybody over there have said they don't want to trade Yakupov, but I don't know. Like, it's weird because then I guess they asked, you know, uh, Nail Yakupov, like, did his agent step out of line? But he didn't really give an answer, but he kind of smiled. So basically, it seems like no. He's not happy, but also he says he still wants to play for the Oilers. I, I, I mean, I don't know. I, I don't want to say this and make it sound anything other than just I think it'd be entertaining, but I kind of want to see him traded <laughs> just because it's been so dramatic that I, I would like to know where else he would rather be. I mean, he says he would rather be nowhere else. He would just, I don't know, he's just kind of unhappy with the Oilers at the moment. But I wonder what other teams they would be open to if the Oilers were straight up like, all right, got to move him then, bye. Because um, I have no idea, I realized, what teams. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, find a team with excess defensemen, and maybe the Oilers, Oilers will make a trade with them. But, yeah, it's been a weird uh, situation. I mean, and there's been a couple of articles posted about how, if you look at the numbers, I mean, barring the crazies that are like Sidney Crosby and Alex Ovechkin, Neil Yakupov's fine. He's doing well. 
you know, in terms of goals scored and the games he's played. Um, he's just on a currently crappy team. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe he'll fare better elsewhere. Yeah, well, and I don't even think the complaint with him has even necessarily always, you know, been about his, like, point production as much, so much as, like, you know, Egan's benched him for those two games or whatever. I think he wants him to be a more complete player. Um, Yakupov is getting some more pressure in that way, and it's kind of blown up in the media, I think, because he was such a star, is such a star forward. It was funny to me because somebody was like, oh, uh, do the Kings have any interest in Yakupov? And I think they asked uh, Dennis Bernstein, and he was like, no. <laughs> um, that would be the worst. But for, I mean, if Yakupov is really unhappy, you know, assuming that it is about the fact that, like, Eakins is giving up a hard time to be a complete player, and Yakupov says he just doesn't play that style, um, he's offense, that's what he does. Can you imagine him trying to be on a team where Daryl Sutter is the head coach? No, he would he would constantly be benched again. Um, Jake Muzzin would be like, oh, finally, uh, I don't have to get all of the flack from Daryl Sutter because everyone everyone does what they need to do on the Kings. No one's like, I don't do that. Like, no one's like, oh, I don't play a defensive game. I don't back check. I don't, you know, whatever. Right, yeah. You can't. You can't, not with Daryl Sutter, because he will bench you. Yeah, the way he benches actual defensemen, he would not hesitate with a forward uh, like Yakupov. So definitely if he was going somewhere, it's not to Los Angeles. Um, I did see somebody mention because uh, the Chicago Blackhawks just traded to get back Chris Versteeg. Um, so they were like, well, obviously, if you can just take players out of Florida for like dirt cheap right now, because also the Panthers are still like, Still paying for half of, you know, Versteeg's uh, salary. For his entire contract. Not just for the year. His The entire contract. That's crazy. That is crazy. Yeah, so if you could just, like, get cheap players out of Florida right now, they were saying, um, I've seen a couple people write that the Oilers should go for Brian Campbell and trade a forward. I mean, I don't think they would trade Yakupov, but uh, I don't know. I guess it would be an interesting possibility if that were to happen. That is one way they could get some defense. But they don't, I mean, I don't know. They don't seem to... They don't seem to care. (laughs) Yeah, defense doesn't really seem to be a priority. Otherwise, they would have done that when they made some trades not that long ago. (laughs) And I really like Brian Campbell. I mean, I want him... I'm, like, fine if he does well in Florida, but I would love to see him on a good team. Yeah. Um, Because, I I mean, he's a good player, and it's it's sad that he doesn't get a lot of attention. I mean, I guess he does get a lot of attention because he's one of the only good players in Florida, but that he doesn't get a lot of, you know, coverage because he's on such a crap team. Okay, everybody, so that is all that we have for this week. Diane, do you have any final thoughts? Um, I think I'm good with everything that's happened that we've talked about this week, actually. Cool. I think we've talked about quite a bit, so uh, we had a lot of stuff this week. Um, I will say one thing before we go. Uh, Pumpernickel from uh, Team TRH tweeted on that November 14th was the anniversary of uh, former Kings owner and president Bruce McNall was the anniversary of him pleading guilty to defrauding six banks of more than $236 million over 10 years in 1994. So um, happy anniversary. Remember that time (laughs) the Kings president almost bankrupted the team. At least we're not there. It could always be worse, Kings fans. We could be the Oilers. Yeah, yeah, we could be the Oilers and uh, on the verge of total bankruptcy. We could have a mayor that is ta- or that is Rob Ford. <laughs> that would be hilarious, um, but awful as well. Anyway, again, all we got, we will uh, 
touch base with you people next week. If you do not follow us on uh, Twitter, you should. We are at ThanksBud, or individually you can follow us. I am at Chanel Berlin. And I'm at AKA Diane Fan. And if you are not already listening to this podcast on iTunes, it is available for you there, so feel free to download it. Um, it is free, obviously. And um, until next time, take care of yourselves, Kings fans. Later, dudes.